You're used to seeing today's guest in your living room as the popular news anchor on WMUR. Today, Tiffany Eddy talks about how she uses her storytelling prowess to empower women through a new business venture. We talked to Tiffany about what inspired her to switch from television journalism to entrepreneur and how her latest venture is leading to a line of beauty products with a message of positivity. I'm Matt Murray, editor of Business NH Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, founder and president of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. Matt, happy summer. Happy summer. Happy summer. Happy it's summer. Do you have here. any, um, do you and the fam have any big plans? You going anywhere, doing anything out of the ordinary? Not as of yet. Relaxing anywhere? No. Yeah. Well, right now we're in that mode of, okay, what are we going to do with these kids? Like, you know, arranging <laughs> summer camp and it's like this, <laughs> this piecemeal thing. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to be at the Y for these yep. and then firm yep. camp. And uh, what's your schedule? Can you pick them up at this yeah, time? It, you know. Exactly. So it's like, you know, I, I, we have all this idyllic image of our summer and what's going to be, but mm. it's like just a roller coaster of yeah. busyness. Yeah. It's total chaos. And then I love September. it, but... <laughs> It's the summer chaos. It's like, hang on, it's summer. Three I know. months, get everything in. Oh my God. Don't forget to pick up the kids at the end of the day. That's right. Somewhere, we don't know where they are. Yeah. So we're, how about um, you? You got any big vacation plans? Well, or? Yeah, we're we're um, we're um going down the Cape for a couple of weeks. My family has a little house down there that we're going to spend some time at. My parents will come down and we'll have some nice family time for a little bit. And, um, and then hopefully my wife and I will get away for a, a night or two and leave my kiddos with their grandparents and see how that goes. And... Um, but and my son is going to do like a, a robotics camp up in Littleton for a few days. So um, and you know the typical like swim lessons in the summer and that kind of stuff. So we'll um, we'll get them you know doing some things here and there and just lots of outside running around time so that they collapse at the end of the day and go to sleep. <laughs> that, that is always the goal. Yes, yes, especially in the summertime. But yeah, do you guys do you what what's like have you do you have you had like a favorite family trip before? that you think back, boy, I wish we could do that again, or we should do that. (laughs) Um, You know what? We have for years gone up to the North Country. So we go and spend a week in North Conway with the kids, going to Diane's Baths, Mm. going to Storyland and Santa's Village and all that good stuff. And, um, you know, we keep kind of going there only because we have such great memories. You get outdoors and, you know, we know we're on a clock, you know, there's only so much time. Our kids are going to want to be right. at Storyland, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know? And so, you know, we've been doing that. So it's been great. Um, there's a, well, so how there's, about an, you? there's an you aquarium go? now. Up yes. There, right? Yeah. So there you go. That's like, you know, my you get kids, a few more, few more years out of North Conway by having an aquarium around the corner, right? Absolutely. <laughs> there, my kids and I have to say um, myself, we are obsessed. They have touch tanks. They have oh, these fish, yeah. these yeah. little nibbler fish mm-hmm. that come and eat the dead skin off of you. Oh, there you so go. So you stick Spa your hands day. in, and it's like a swarm, and it's. It, so intimidating at first, but you know, you go with it and then is the best spot treatment. You come out. I'm like, can go. I put my feet in? They're like, no. Can you put your feet no. in? No. Cause they would no, all Mr. die. Maori. <laughs> oh boy. Well, it, you know, never fail, never fails that this little segment is just the world's biggest rabbit hole, but that's just like what we'll be known for in the end, I guess here in BizCast. So there it is. Um, in that case though, our guest this week 
is Tiffany Eddy. After nearly 20 years as a broadcast journalist, as an anchor with WMUR News 9 and co-host of New Hampshire Chronicle, Tiffany left the news industry for more time with her kids and to launch Tiffany Eddy and Associates, a full-service PR media and coaching company recognized as one of the top in the state. Recently, Tiffany launched S3 Smart Strong Sassy. S3 is a women's movement dedicated to empowering and inspiring, a collective where women can share their stories. S3 also provides tools so women can be the most positive and unstoppable versions of themselves. Tiffany's been the recipient of many prestigious awards. Her proudest endeavor, however, is her two kids, her daughter Meredith and son Garrett. We are uh, so excited to have you. Welcome. Um, You've had an amazing career. So we have a ton to talk about. We'll try to keep it in a reasonable amount of time. But let's, um, as Matt says, hop in the Wayback Machine uh, to your days in journalism and broadcast. How did you start in that business? Take us on a little journey to from then to now, as it were. Did you always want to be a, a reporter? Was that one of the dreams or...? Well, I wanted to be a photojournalist, so I loved I loved photography, and I loved combining the written word with visual images. And my first job out of college, I was working for a video production company down in Hartford, Connecticut, and the uh, the person who managed that company was really, really into TV news and really into uh, broadcasting and how the the different reporters were using their voice to convey elements of the story and how uh, different images were used. And so I became fascinated with the idea of telling a story um, in a in a way where you have uh, elements that are on camera and using video and using sound and using voice. And so it's uh, it's a wonderful process and it's a powerful way to tell a story. So that's kind of what sparked my initial interest. However, I went to a liberal arts college. I had never been on camera before in my life. I had no experience whatsoever. And so I ended up getting my first uh, job in TV news at WGGB in Springfield, Massachusetts. And I was the assistant to the news director, which basically... Um, as I soon learned, it was a union shop, enabled me to do absolutely nothing on camera. <laughs> um, but I guess if I was to, long story short, I ended up moving to Albany, New York, where I got my first tiny little on-air job. I was called the operations center manager, which basically meant that I did two brief hits in the 11 o'clock news um, relevant to what was happening if there was any police activity. And my glorified title in the newsroom was Scanner Girl. Oh, listen, listening to the scanner. So I was the scanner girl, and I'd listen, and I'd say, okay, well, Ed and Chris, we've got a situation over on 2nd Street, and police are responding to, and whatever it might be. However, Albany, New York is actually a fairly large-sized TV market, and it was my first on-air job. So I really didn't have wonderful skills to be on camera. And and honestly, every time before I would go on, my heart would be pounding, and I would have a hard time breathing, and I would be sweating, and I was just a mess. And um, so after being there for about, I think, 10 months, the news director pulled me aside and said, you know, look, Tiffany... um, we really like you. You're a, a nice young woman. However, you um, you don't have the skills that we need in this market size to be on air. So we're going to take you off the air. And I was absolutely 
devastated. You know, I had been working for the past couple of years to get to this point and, you know, thought I was getting better. And, you know, apparently I was tanking. And so I remember going out with this woman. Um, she was an older reporter and she'd been kind of taking me under her wing. And I was, she took me out for some drinks and I was crying <laughs> and I probably had a couple drinks. And I was like, I can't <laughs> believe it. I'm never going to work in this business. And she, I'll never forget this. Her name was Monica. And she said, uh, you're going to have one more drink. You're going to go home. I'm going to call you a cab. You're going to cry, go to sleep, and you're going to set your alarm for seven o'clock in the morning. You're going to get your shit together, and you're going to call every news director in a hundred mile radius of here, and you're going to get another job. And I did nice. exactly what she told me, and I did. In uh, 48 hours, I had a job in Utica, New York, which was a much smaller market, but I had a bigger on-air role, and. Uh, it was a place where I was able to get seasoned to get the skills that I needed to continue to move up. So long version of the story and probably more than you wanted. But oh, that's, that's great. great. Oh, man. Well, and you, you've got this career of t being a storyteller. I mean, it's been like this consistent thread for a very long time for you. And um, in, you know, in your latest picture, we'll, we'll get into soon about empowering women. The television news industry not always known for being empowering for its female employees um you know as especially in on air persons on air were there things that you faced as a woman that your male counterparts never had to contend with whether it was like you know weird viewer feedback or um the way you were treated in the newsroom there were, I don't like to dwell on, on, on some of the negatives, but mm -hmm. I mean, there, there have been comments from male bosses, and this is going, you know, way, way, way back, mm. um, you know, early, early on in my career, um, where, you know, perhaps your outfit could, your skirt could be a little on the shorter side, you know, we'd like to see, you know, more um, legs. But I would say that it's, um, it's a challenging career. It's a competitive career, but there's also a lot of support. And when I was getting into the business, a lot of women were um, actually getting leadership roles. So it was becoming more acceptable for women to be, you know, out there front and center and, um, and being leaders in that industry. And so how did you end up at WMUR? I, um, it, it was... I can't believe I ended up at WMUR. It, uh, I was working up at WVNY in Burlington, Vermont, and uh, I saw that there was an opening for a morning anchor position, and it seemed like that would be a wonderful market to be in. I had, uh, I had been um, at WGGB in Springfield, not on, on air, and then Albany for that, that tiny little stint, then Utica, and then um, up to the next market size in Burlington, and I, you know, Really, my goal at that point was to get to a Boston-type size market, and I saw that uh, Channel 9 had a morning anchor opening, and I sent a tape down, and I remember the news director at the time, a woman named Karen Brown, she called me the next day, and I couldn't believe it, and said, can you come down for an interview? Oh, wow. And I got off the 11 in Burlington. I remember driving down that night and got into a hotel at like 2 o'clock in the morning. It was a place I think has been torn down. It was on 2nd Street in Manchester <laughs> and got up really early for my interview the next morning. And I was so nervous because um, I remember they had me do an on-air read um, or a, a sample uh, broadcast. And I had never seen the word Haverhill, Massachusetts before. Oh, gosh. So I kept saying Haverhill. Mm -hmm. And I was, I, was like, I was like, Haverhill, I mean, Haverhill. I was just 
I was a mess, but um, luckily, I, I guess I, I passed the test, and they offered me the position. So I was I was very fortunate, and I had a great career at Channel Nine. I loved being there. Channel Nine is is such an important institution in our state, mm-hmm. and and really, when you think about it, it's a total anomaly um, for the news business because there is not, to my knowledge, any other market that has one dominant affiliated station. Right. So just the amount of power to be able to reach the whole state, it's um, it's incredible. It's amazing, yeah. Um, you also, as we kind of mentioned in your in your uh, intro, were the, co- the host of uh, New Hampshire Chronicle as well for years. How long were you the host there? I co-hosted uh, New Hampshire Chronicle with Tom Griffith for 11 years. Nice. We actually, Channel 9 was very gracious and they had a 20-year celebration uh, anniversary of the show, and they they asked Tom and I to come back and and share yeah. some of our memories. And that Somewhat was recently, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was fantastic. That yeah. was fantastic. I loved Chronicle. Um, Sean and Aaron carry on the torch, do a wonderful mm. job. Um, it's a great show. I turn it on, you know, any night that I'm home, and I'm very proud to have been part of that legacy. Nice. What are some uh, What are some of the um, most fond memories or or the stories that you that you covered um, in during Chronicle? Yeah, are in general. What are the stories that stick with you? I mean, mm. you covered so many over oh the years. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but as a reporter, I know there's there's those that are fleeting. They're of the moment, and then mm. there's the ones that kind of get into your skin. What was that for you? I mean, it's so hard to to pull back and and remember, but it's. I think the things that I loved about Chronicle is that we got to meet so many inspiring people, people that were out there doing something positive for their community or for business. And, um, you know, interesting story. I wanted to buy somebody um, a, a lamb's pelt, um, you know, lamb's wool. Mm-hmm. And so I went out to this farm in uh, Epping, New Hampshire. Was it Epping? I think it was Epping. And I was talking to the farmer and I was like, you know, I did Chronicle here. I remember, I'm trying to remember what year it was, and he said, I remember the day you were here. (laughs) He said, it was your first day back from maternity, and you had just dropped off your daughter. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I remember that because I was a basket case because here I was, I was a new mom, and I had just wrapped up three months of maternity, and I dropped her off, and then I went to work, and here we are on this this sheep farm, and... um, and I was I was a little bit on sad because I had just left her and yeah. and I was like you remember that I was like that was seventeen years ago my daughter's seventeen she's a junior in high school now <laughs> and we had the best time just talking and reminiscing and so it um, I mean there's so many wonderful stories and and that was just one of them I remember that day and and what a special place that farm was and this gentleman now he's telling me that he's getting ready to probably retire with his wife that. Uh, it's too much for them at, at this point. Oh, wow. um, but you know, to know that I had a little tiny part in, in their experience is, is wonderful. Wow. So at what point did you decide to leave broadcast? What was that decision like to decide, I'm, I'm good with this part of my life and I want to move on? And was it a decision to go and start the marketing firm or did that come after? Well, I would say... I wanted to be an entrepreneur, um, but my biggest, the biggest driving factors for me were my children. Mm-hmm. And TV is is a wonderful um, TV news broadcast journalism. It's a wonderful industry, and um, I applaud everybody that's out there doing it. But it's a very challenging industry. The hours are rigorous. Um, holidays, odd hours, 
got to be on for breaking news. And it's not necessarily the most family-friendly industry. And when I decided that um, I had to leave or it was time for me to leave, my daughter was, I want to say, like fourth grade. And um, my son was just getting ready to go into kindergarten, I believe. And what was happening is I was leaving Monday through Friday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon to get to work, and I didn't get home until midnight, and the school bus would drop them off at 2.30. Uh, and we were like you know, ships passing in the yeah. night. I didn't get to see them really Monday through Friday. And so for me, and as you guys know, you were talking about your kids in the beginning and what you're going to do this summer, but um, time with your kids is so fleeting. Yes. And I just decided that they were my priority. And so I had to reshuffle my life so that I could be the mom that I wanted to be for them. And I, I'm so glad I did. We, I'm nice. so proud of them. And we have a wonderful, I have wonderful relationships. And I've been there for those moments that, that I wanted to be there for. Awesome. And so um, no regrets. But, uh, but it was challenging because I uh, had to figure out how to start a firm knew that I had the skills, but not necessarily knowing how to get clients. And so I had one client when I left Channel 9. And remember, it was a risk because there was not enough money at that point to pay the bills. And so I was really taking a gamble on myself to make that leap in order to pursue the career that I wanted so I could be the mom that I wanted. Nice. Oh, my goodness. So what were the biggest challenges professionally and personally when you leave a career that you've loved, but, you know, decide it, it's time for change to, to take the leap into entrepreneurship, which is not an easy one. It's a lot, one that a lot of people think about, but never do. So when you took that leap, what were the biggest challenges? What, what came up that were unexpected for you and how'd you overcome them? Well, I think overcoming is just by continuing forward. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not, there's no magic pill where you can just go out and take a class or uh, get some certain skill. I mean, it, it's something that you, you develop and you build over time. I think when I left, there was probably, um, I didn't know what I didn't know in some cases. I knew, I know how to do PR. I know how to help promote someone. I know how to create visibility for a company. I know how to tell a story but I wasn't as uh, confident on running my own business. And then how do you go get those new clients and what are the best ways to do that? And what um, distinguishes you from from other companies? Why would somebody wanna come work with you? So those were some of the elements that I think I had to um, figure out earlier on. You know, what, what things do I wanna do? Um, and I guess my advice would be is that if you enjoy doing it, then you're probably you know pretty good at it. But if you really don't like doing it, that's probably not something that you want to put in your repertoire because if you don't enjoy it, you're probably not going to be as good at it, and um, that's not fair to the client, and that's not fair to you. You right. should uh, pursue things that you enjoy doing. Right. I feel like we say that all the time, and I say that especially to clients and 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 on here in the Cardinal Corner and otherwise that <laughs> people start a business not because they want to do all of the minutia and the accounting and the marketing and all this they start a business because they're passionate about something therefore they're probably good at it excited about it want to get better at it so and and in some ways that's how s3 smart strong sassy started i love a good segue let's keep going you know i'm a former reporter you got to do the segue (laughs) but i would say it was about four years ago and i was uh, on vacation with the kids and we were up on a lake and we were watching this beautiful beautiful sunset and my son was talking about jobs that would make money. 
and, you know, what he could do to make money. And I remember saying to him, you know, buddy, you don't want to just focus on the paycheck. You want to exactly what we were just talking about. You want to do something that you're passionate about. You want to follow your dreams and the money will come. And then he looked at me and he said, well, mom, what do you dream about? And I was like, well, buddy, you know, mom dreams about you and your sister being healthy and happy and growing up and being successful. And he's like, but what do you dream about? And and it was a really profound question from, at that point, a then nine-year-old kid. Mm. And, and I was like, well, that's, you know, that's a good question. Mom dreams about making a difference in people's lives. And, and that's true. And so um, I really, it, it kind of shook me. And I realized that if I was going to be uh, an inspiration and a leader for my children, I, I really kind of had to put my money where my mouth was, and I had to lead by example. And so that, in some ways, was the the genesis for starting S3. Nice. So tell us more about, it's It's a collective, um, you obviously, ha- it is smart, strong, sassy that you're, that you're focused on and, and empowering women. Um, what are the elements, though, of S3? You have um, a you have a product line or the start of a product line. So let's start there. So S3 started as a collective where yeah. women share their stories, non-perfect stories, as mm. I like to call them, uh, where kind of like what you guys do, but the, the get the nitty gritty. Like, how did you get to where you were, where you are? And, yeah. and what were the challenges? And what lessons did you learn? And were there times when you wanted to give up? And, um, you know, just trying to have wonderful conversations with women who I admired um, or found inspiring. And so... We launched that, and um, we were doing well going out. It was my side hustle, basically. I was mm. going out and finding women and um, telling stories in, in my free time. But Smart, Strong, Sassy, the name came about um, because I, when I was trying to figure out what to name the company, is that those traits, um, every woman I've ever n- admired possessed those traits. And so it just seemed apropos that uh, we name the company Smart, Strong, Sassy, because I believe that, um, you know, as women, we are much smarter than we give ourselves credit for. We are stronger than we realize, mm. and, and strength, um, you know, comes in many different forms, and that when you combine those and put it together and realize that you are, it allows you to be sassy, which is where I like to say the magic happens. And that's kind of like that feisty spirit that um, unleashes you so that you can go for it and follow your dreams. Um, so we have we had the collective, and then I was approached um, during COVID, actually, because it was kind of challenging to go out and um, <laughs> tell stories during COVID. You yeah. could do it during Zoom, but it just doesn't have the same emotional, uh, you don't have the same emotional connection with people. Right. Uh, a local company, um, a local business owner said, we have a product that we are really excited about, and usually we have a brand um, when we create this product, but in this case, we don't have an appropriate brand to get behind this product and we love what you're doing with empowerment and with telling stories and supporting women have you ever considered um beauty products and i hadn't um oh it never crossed my mind and i thought about it and i said yes because beauty can be empowering and when you feel good and when you feel like you look good and Mm -hmm. you feel like you're you're putting your best um your your best version of yourself then you are empowered and so um, that's how we launched our first one. It's a, um, a molecular amino molecular hair repair. Mm. It's the only kind, only product of its kind out in the marketplace. It's made right here in Manchester, New Hampshire with oh, a proprietary wow. formula. And uh, so it's manufactured here. It's distributed here uh, with my partner at Evolve. Um, 
evolve salon systems. And so uh, it's now being carried in over 100 salons across the country. Um, and the feedback's been great. And so now we're launching uh, two new products, um, soon to be three products, um, this June. So June 1st, we're going to have oh. the Amino um, Molecular Repair, which again, it's a fabulous product for anyone who has damaged hair. And then um, a very special uh, shampoo and conditioner using the same amino type complex formula. Nice, nice. We'll be right back with Tiffany Eddy. McLean Middleton is a full-service law firm with over 100 attorneys and 25 paralegals throughout its five offices in Manchester, Concord, and Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Woburn in Boston, Massachusetts. For over 100 years, they've been providing exceptional legal services to businesses, individuals, and nonprofit organizations across the region. Visit McLean.com for a complete list of practice areas and attorneys. All right, we're back with Tiffany Eddy. Let's keep on the let's keep on the S three train here. So um, it started as a collective. Someone approached you to to uh, with a, essentially a line of beauty products, um, and that's expanding, which is which is so neat. So, but there's some there's some well. When I was doing the research and and getting to know more about you and all of uh, everything that you do, um, I was really really struck by these uh, the stories that you're telling these the videos that in particular that are up on YouTube on the YouTube channel for for S three and um, can you tell us a little bit more about finding and and crafting those stories because obviously you're a pro at that but you've got really unique and interesting stories not only about a line of beauty products but about individuals and how regardless of what they've come up against, they are smart, strong, sassy. Can you talk about some of those individuals and some of that work that you've done around those stories? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would love to. And, and to do so, I might go backwards a Please, little bit. Please, that's fine. Um, uh, some people ask, where did the idea for the collective come from? Mm -hmm. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was at Channel 9 and I was a cub reporter um, many, many years ago, I remember that I was sent out to go do a story on this woman who had been abused by her husband. And she um, got the courage to press charges and he was going to jail. And she reached out to WMUR because she wanted to share her story. And she, her goal was is that um, if she shared her story, perhaps it would help someone else who was in a similar situation. Wow. So yeah. I was the reporter. I was sent out to go do the story. I did the best job that I could. And I remember um, putting it out. And when you're a reporter, you put it out into the universe and you hope that you know, it's going to impact somebody. And you always they always say that if you touched one life, you made a difference. Mm -hmm. And But you don't always know. So um, fast forward after that story aired five, six years later, and I was having lunch at Fratello's with a friend. And the waitress was acting really strange. And I remember the person I was having lunch with said, what did you do to this woman? I was like, I don't know. I've never seen her before in my life. I have no idea. And at the end of our lunch, the waitress came over and she said, Tiffany Eddy? And I was like, yes. And she said, I want to thank you. And I was like, oh, wow. Why do you want to thank me? I should be thanking you. She said, I want to thank you because you saved my life. And Whoa. I was like, how did I do that? And she said, years ago, you told a story about a woman who had been abused. And she said, I saw that story. And she said, I realized that was me and that was my life. And when I saw that story, it gave me the courage to make changes in my life. And today I don't live in fear. So thank you. Wow. And it was truly the most, um, I think, profound professional moment in my career, personal mm -hmm. moment 
um, you know, very strong. It just resonated with me that, oh my goodness, these stories really have the power to make a difference and to help somebody else, and they can be transformative. So the women that I, I share S3 stories with mm. have all overcome something and uh, or have some sort of wisdom. And some of them are just people that I happen to meet in my, in my everyday life, mm-hmm. and I find them fascinating. I, I think that uh, having been a reporter and, and loving um, storytelling, I just find people fascinating. And no matter who they are, what they're doing, Everybody has some sort of story that can have um, instructive qualities to somebody else. So there's not necessarily a formula to who we're looking for or why necessarily we're telling their story. Uh, it, it just could be um, that someone is a good person or that someone's out advocating and um, really just looking for somebody who's willing to be authentic and really share what makes them uh, get up and what empowers them and what makes them identify as being smart, strong, sassy, or what at one point had them not identifying as being smart, strong, sassy, but they were able to figure some things out, and now they do. So give us an example of what our listeners, if they went on on the site, what what's the story they would find there? Well, our featured story right now of the month, and what I try to do is I try to profile uh, one person per month. And uh, eventually, I'd like that to be one person per week, but uh, there's only so much time in the universe, unfortunately. <laughs> right. But um, our, our our story this month is a young woman named Katie Phillips, and I had the privilege of meeting Katie because I was um, asked to participate in a fundraising event for an organization called ABLE New Hampshire, and ABLE advocates for people with disabilities in the state, and um Katie identified as being a smart, strong, sassy woman. She's on the autism spectrum. Um, She does a lot of advocacy work for ABLE. And uh, when they told me that she really identified as being smart, strong, sassy, and wanted to talk about her story, Katie had been um, bullied in school. She went to um, high school out in the seacoast. And um, unfortunately, a lot of the kids were not very kind to her. Um, However, she persevered, and she stayed in high school, and she... Uh, made a lot of friends, and she now is out advocating for people with disabilities in New Hampshire, um, especially um, equitable housing. Um, but mm-hmm. the fact that she identified as being a smart, strong, sassy woman, and that she was so determined to go out there and made a difference, it just resonated with me that this was the story that that we had to share um, yeah. this month. And she's just a, a wonderful, strong, energetic woman. And so it, it just... Um, it was really it was really meaningful to spend time with her. But uh, there there's so many different women. There's uh, a, you know an, another woman who decided after getting all sorts of accolades in the business community that she was going to do um, a complete you know leave her job where she was well known and make a complete change in her career, which I found very courageous. Um, people who uh, have overcome perhaps a, a health issue uh, like breast cancer. Uh, one of our, our stories is an actual friend of mine, and she really advocates for women to do self-exams because she had no family history. She was very young, hmm. and she had just had her very first mammogram. Um, and lo and behold, two months later, she does a, a self-exam, and she finds a lump in her breast. And it was, I think, stage 2B at that point, hmm. breast cancer. And if she hadn't done a self-exam um, and just waited till her next mammogram, she, she probably wouldn't be here. Wow. So um, we're always just trying to remind people about uh, different different things that they need to 
remember in their lives either to make it better or to feel more empowered or to take better care of themselves. And so if that camera got turned around, what would be the smart, strong, sassy story of Tiffany Eddy? Oh my goodness, Matt. Isn't he good? Isn't he good? (laughs) Listen up, everybody. That's a challenging one. Boy, my my story, I've had so many different uh, interesting uh, hurdles to overcome in, in many ways. Um, I would say that, what's the story? Huh, now you got me. Wow. I would say that um, for me, it's remembering that we are stronger. And, you know, I said it before, but that... A lot of times you walk into a room with a bunch of people and you assume that you need to be quiet and you assume that you perhaps don't have as much to offer uh, in the conversation because you uh, maybe don't have the same experiences or you don't have the same degree. And for me, it is kind of finding a voice and having the courage to stand up and stand out Hmm. and to let your voice uh, resonate and to take risks, you know, to to put yourself out there. And it's not everyone's going to love what you do, but it's important that if you feel strongly about it, that you go out there and do it. And so I guess that would be my story is is having the courage to... um, to maybe take the leap from Channel 9 and a steady income where I was a known commodity into something that I didn't have as much experience with and didn't have the steady stream. And then to even launch S3 and to uh, try to make a difference. And I think at the end of the day, I want to make sure that um, that my legacy for my kids and for my community will be that I did the very best that I could to make a difference and empower other people. Nice, nice. Um to uh, you mentioned uh, or had written somewhere that smart, strong, sassy uh, was named that because every woman you've ever admired had those traits. So, who are some of the women you most admire? Well, I would always it, the I would say my mom definitely. Nice. Um, and I would also say my daughter. Uh, my daughter has become a, a smart, strong, sassy young woman, and she's also. If you go to our website and you you look, there's a I'm I'm biased, but a very beautiful. <laughs> there's a lot of 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 women on the site, but um, there's one who's probably featured more prominently, um, who I think is is the most beautiful creature on the planet, and that's my daughter. Um, but my daughter is beautiful on the inside and out. And just like a little story I wrote on my blog about it, but um, she's in high school and she's a part of a what's called a unified class, and there are some kids in her class that um, have different disabilities, um, or are differently abled, I should say. And um, one of the girls who uh, she was partnered with was being bullied, picked on at school by some of the other kids. And so she was outraged by that and uh, took a stand, which I think if we all go back to high school, it can be really challenging sometimes or difficult to go against the tide and um, stepped up and really defended the student. And when that didn't work, she went to the administration to make sure that this uh, young woman who was differently abled was not picked on. And uh, I, I thought that that was um, just, it spoke to her, her strength of character and yeah. the beauty of her soul. Awesome. And as parents, I mean, you try and impart things to your kids. And there's times you wonder, are they even listening or hearing? What was that moment like for you? I mean, obviously, smart and sassy and strong are things that you want to instill in your daughter. What was it like for you as a mother 
when you saw it in action? I, I couldn't be prouder. I, I couldn't be prouder because uh, to have that mental fortitude and to know that something is wrong and to see injustice in front of you. And it's it's one thing to see something and to talk about it with other people and say, oh, that was too bad. But it's a whole nother thing to take a stand and put yourself out there and to be strong enough to uh, stand up to the criticism. And the fact that she could do that at such a young age, uh, it really, it made me so incredibly proud. I love it. I love it. The Well, and that's, that's, just like the the story of the woman that you captured and and how it it helped other people, I imagine that you know, especially in the the high school middle school environment, that there are other people who are you know who are up against those challenges, and to see your someone like your daughter stand up and help and make a difference, they have that power now, or they can say, you know what, that's happening to me too, and I don't want it to happen anymore. So yeah, um, we need more people like that in the world. I think. Um, I have a very important question before we wrap up today. Um, I, I normally ask, you know, those folks that are CEOs and that they're, you know, they're head down doing their work and focused on their, on, on this maybe product or, or thing. Um, what do you do when you're not focused on your work? But I have a feeling that because of who you are, you're always focused on empowering women and you're always, that's all, that's just part of who you are. So I'm not going to ask when you're not doing that, but I'll say, Outside of your professional roles and your work, what is it that you most enjoy doing? Who are you outside of these roles if we just saw you maybe at, at home on the couch, as it were? <laughs> <laughs> if you get to spend any time at home on the couch, as that is, you know? Well, the couch sounds lovely. I do have a, I do have a home office, which, which is where I spend a good deal of my time. Uh, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy physical fitness now. Nice. I enjoy um, my morning sessions in the gym. I enjoy our beautiful state. I love hiking up in the White Mountains um, and, of course, spending time with my kids. Uh, I live out in the country, so when I'm off duty, a lot of times I'm, I'm just, you know, baseball cap and no makeup love and it. hanging out with the dogs and throwing the ball and uh, just a country girl at heart. Cool. Do you have a favorite peak up north that you like? <sighs> Well, I mean, I know, right? Sorry, it's, it's the toughest question of the day. I guess it's <laughs> my daughter and I have done Mount Washington a couple times. Have you? And, nice. And going up uh, Tuckerman's is really challenging, uh -huh. and then coming down Lion's Head, but it's so gorgeous. Nice. You guys are the real deal. I love it. So, I love it. So I, I guess I would say, you know, go big or go home. Yeah. Well, awesome. speaking of which, so where is S three going? What do you want to grow this into? It's been evolving. Uh, in in the short time that you since you've started it, uh, where where do you hope it's going to go? I would like it to be a, a national brand. I, I and I see it being a national brand. I think that the the products that we have are um, the quality is unbelievable. So I encourage anyone to look at the website um, smartstrongsassy.com and find out we we only sell to uh, directly to salons. So um, it's not direct to consumer at this point, um, but uh, to find out where they can buy some because the product is amazing and it really does work. And if anybody, the um, the initial product, the amino molecular repair, if you have damaged hair at all, it will fix it and you will look like a million dollars. And wow. and again, proprietary formula, nothing else like it out on the marketplace and manufactured right here in Manchester, New Hampshire. Um, and we'll have more products coming down the road. We've got the shampoo and conditioner uh, June 1st and then um, a hair mask coming beyond that. And uh, I foresee other products, um, other lines, you know, down the road, 
um, beauty type products and uh, of the highest quality. And in addition to that, we're going to keep telling the stories because uh, it's empowering to share those stories. Beauty is empowering um, and storytelling is empowering. So I think they go hand in hand. Awesome. Awesome. Tiffany, Eddie, you are a force on the mountains and off here in New Hampshire or across the state. So thank you so much for joining us, for telling uh, your story, and, and uh, for that matter, being able to tell the story of others as well. It's, it's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure. And now the buzz with Matt Mowry. Rising salaries are great news for employees, but it's a challenge for businesses trying to lure new talent in. And meeting the expectations of the next generation of workers is apparently going to get a lot tougher. Clever, a real estate data company, well, they recently put out a new study that found, get this, the average starting salary for recent college graduates is about $55,260. But students on the verge of graduating getting out into the workforce expect to earn almost Double that. Yes, students expect to start out at about $103,000. And what's more, despite expecting these higher than average salaries, fewer than half of the students surveyed feel they're actually prepared for their postgraduate careers. And one in six say they feel, one in six feel very unprepared. So hiring managers, get ready for a wave of job candidates who don't feel they're ready to work, but expect top dollar for it. And that's what we're buzzing about and crying about this week. Welcome back to the Cardinal Corner. I'm Nathan Carroll. It's no secret that inflation has been in the news lately and is a very real concern for many. Inflation is, in a very basic way, makes the money that we have today less valuable tomorrow. That loaf of bread that used to cost a dollar, all right, come on, it's an, it's an example, uh, now cost $3. The dollar you had saved now buys you, sorry, but a third of a loaf of bread. So... Good example, right? Hopefully. Let's take a moment today to dig into the causes of inflation. Thanks to the website investopedia.com for breaking this down for us. And of course, we'll link to it on the Cardinal blog. So factors that influence inflation. Production costs. If the cost to produce something goes up, i.e. the labor, the materials, all of that, then the cost to produce rises or inflates. Back to Econ 101, demand. If there's more of a demand, often consumers are willing to pay more for a product, thereby driving up the price or inflating the price. And finally, fiscal policy. Yeah, I know. Dun, dun, dun. There is, of course, a lot to this, but if the federal government, for example, cuts taxes or provides stimulus payments, discretionary income to consumers, then guess what we tend to do with that money? we tend to reinvest it in the economy, a.k.a. spend it, right? Thereby increasing <clears throat> demand and <clears throat> driving up prices or inflating prices. Thanks for joining me in the Cardinal Corner, where our price increase begins effective immediately due to inflation. Find more at our website, cardinalconsultingnh.com or on social at cardinalconsultingnh. Thank you for joining us today. 
If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard in today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a joint production of Business NH Magazine and Cardinal Consulting. Listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.